Yakima Chief Hops is a 100% grower-owned hop supplier with a mission to connect brewers worldwide with the family farms that grow their hops. YCH is proud to provide brewers in Australia and New Zealand with quality hop products and brewing solutions to elevate their beers. Learn more at yakimachief.com. So we've got macroeconomic pressures that are going to make it harder for existing breweries to continue to do work and have margins. And then on top of that, we've got people who want to enter the market because it looks flashy. We've got these valuations, but no one is taught, where are we going to get these drinkers? Where are we going to get these margins? Welcome to Bruce News Week, recorded on 23rd June 2022. I'm Matt Kirkegaard, founder and editor of Bruce News, and I'm joined by award-winning senior journalist Claire Burnett. Hello, Claire. <laughs> Hello. And industry consultant Sabrina Kunz. Hi, Matt. We're back. Just yeah, thought it might take you a little while to get used to that award-winning. I know um, it's too much. It's I used to much. love that Ben Canada, uh, who we've had on Beers of Conversation mm-hmm. podcast, um, used to write he was a mono award-winning because they're a multi-award-winning journalist, and I've stolen that once or twice. So you're a mono <laughs> award-winning. Uh, Thank you very much. <laughs> I might just stick to award and then leave that mysterious as to how yes. many. <laughs> So, uh, big, big week in news. So, we might roll on. Lots to discuss. Um, so, kicking off with the news that you need to use if you do the bruise. Um, headlines. <laughs> that was actually pretty good. I'm quite impressed. Uh, yeah, sorry about headlines. Um, we have. We've got had quite a bit on this week. Uh First and foremost, uh, Catchment gains fortitude and announces ambitious expansion. So you may have seen that Catchment Brewing Co., uh, based in Brisbane, has purchased fellow Southeast Queensland brewery Fortitude uh, for an undisclosed sum. The acquisition includes the Fortitude brands and lease of its brewery, restaurant and functions business on Mount Tambourine. So... Another little movement there. We've had a couple going on in the Queensland market, uh, but a new one, um, I'm sure we'll talk about it below the vault. Uh, again, in news, we've had some movement on the equity crowdfunding. <laughs> as uh, Yeah, we covered Akasha la, the week before last, and now it's Bridge Road's turn. Uh, so Bridge Road started its crowdfund, announced it earlier uh, in May, uh, and then opened to the public last week. So since then, it has raised over $1 million at the time of publishing uh, since it was opened. Offer documents show that Stark Brow PTYLTD, which trades as Bridge Road Brewers, is offering up to 2.5 million shares at an issue price of $1, um, raising between seven fifty and uh, $750,000 and $2.5 million, um, with a minimum parcel size of $250. Uh, the Victorian brewery said that the offer shares equate to 4.76% of the business and that gives them a valuation of $52.5 million. A little bit of, um, well, maybe a more traditional way of funding these days, uh, but for, especially for brewers in WA, uh, Tall Timbers Brewing Co., which is a relatively small startup brewery uh, in southwest WA, has grown capacity with the help of a regional economic development grant, which I only learned this week was called a red grant, not an RED grant, as I've been saying for probably years now. Uh, Miele Holdings, trading as Tall Timbers Brewing Company, received 92000 and a bit 
in funding in a recent red round, uh, highlighting Western Australia's ongoing support for the brewing industry. Uh, You might remember that in the States of Brewing report, uh, we sort of tallied up the amount of funding that each state had delivered to breweries, individual breweries, and Western Australia was far and above the most generous uh, in terms of the funding. I believe it was um, upwards of $3 million that it um, sort of granted to breweries over that year. In other news, we've got Drinkwise launching a state of origin campaign. Uh, it's teamed up with the New South Wales Police and the NRL to launch a campaign of the head of the state of origin. Um, so some positive moves around that and uh, drinking in relation to sporting events. Uh, last but not least, uh, there has been a crackdown in New South Wales. So this has been on our radar for a while. We've covered it before. Um, but uh, they've get, New South Wales government has given retailers until the 1st of September to ensure that they have sufficient age verification technologies in place if they are engaging in same-day delivery. So the majority of brewers potentially not immediately affected, but retailers certainly will. Um, And while this is only focused on one state currently, the federal government has been working on to accredit age verification technology suppliers um, could mean, could be heralding a move towards that in a much stricter sense in the future. Um, It's also interesting given that the anti-alcohol lobby has been expending a lot of energy highlighting the lack of age gating uh, on some brands over the past year as well. So that's the news, guys. That's the news. If you need to get back to your regular job, that's the summary of the news. And if you're interested in hearing our thoughts on the news, maybe our views on the news, on the brews. (laughs) Sabrina's shaking her head. (laughs) You can join us below the fold. We probably need to start um, talking a little bit about the Bridge Road crowdfund. My thoughts on equity crowdfunding um, are pretty clear um, and have been made very clear um, at ad nauseum. Um, let me say that huge fan of Bridge Road have been, you know, for the 17 years they've been around, love um, what they do. I genuinely hope they get $2.5 million to um, kick in their plans. Um, you know, and I just had a quick look, Matt. I think they're just over a million dollars with a week, just over a week to go. With a week so to it go. looks like they're pretty close to tracking to. Do you think? Well, except that the way these things run is that it's all bang to start with because they build, mm-hmm. um, you know, the the excitement of, of jumping on and the, the you know. Yeah, I mean, they, they do taper a little bit. So if with only a week to go, they've still got. You know. Well, uh, seven days, eight hours and 51 minutes, mm. they've got um, about 1.5 to go to read their maximum. They're well over their minimum target of mm. 750. <laughs> I mean, uh, but the minimum is, like, the, <laughs> what is the minimum? The minimum is the, you know, and they call it overfunding. No, they want $2.5 million. They've, they've expressed, th- you know, there's a whole lot of things that they won't do if they get the minimum. If they, the, 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 the maximum is what they want to raise. Yeah. Um, and that's what everyone wants to raise. And it, it is marketing. Um, you know, when, when these things started, it was always, oh, we want to raise $750,000. And then, you know, they race through that target to make it look like everyone said, oh, we've exceeded our target. And that, that, that's marketing. They, they want $2.5 million. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, all of this, you, you know, my views on um, the give a littles uh, masquerading as investments, um, but um, which is fine. Which, um, is, so, and, and, which is what I was going to say. Hope they get it. Yep. If they need, you know, <laughs> I hope they get it because I hope that they have enough people who value the brand and love, want to see them support, want to see them achieve their yep. aims for that reason. 
if they need to tell people that that is the valuation of the business to get that, I find that problematic. Yeah, I mean, I think if we did up a nice little spreadsheet of um, valuations of businesses um, for equity crowd funds as compared to what businesses have sold for in the last five years, what brewing businesses mm. have sold for, um, and we compared a whole range of factors, not just annual revenue but annual production, uh, distribution, so on and so forth, um, valuations provided through equity crowd funds would uh, not line up with the figures that we're seeing <laughs> for... Well, okay. So, so Let's not talk about Bridge Road here. No, no. So, I'm, let, to, let, I'm speaking about about general. generally. Generally, the, you know, the, 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 the pattern that we've seen. Yeah. Now, we have seen a number of sales over the last couple of years. You know, most recently, Stone and Wood for $500 million. Now, that was a business that I think was... And I don't have... Like 60, 70, 80 million turnover, six or seven million dollars profit a year for that 500 million. It was a business that was growing at scale. The vast majority of its volume came from wholesale, um, which is scalable volume. You know, if you're making your income from bars, that is very hard to scale and it's very costly to scale. If you're sending kegs out across the country, that is scalable volume. And that is, you know, stone and wood. And it was also a massively popular brand. Um, Bolter, which no one knows exactly what it sold for, but the best, most logical figure that I've heard is around about 50 million. It was a business that was two to three million litres. Um, so multiples of what a business, you know, the most recent one is Bridge Road. Again, a very early um, stage business that was growing rapidly. I think they've more than doubled that volume since their sale. Um Again, wholesale, scalable wholesale sale volume nationally was the basis of their valuation. Um, compare that to you know the, the the only business who on a day to day basis we can actually value, um, which is Gage Roads, you know solely brewing business, which is because Gage Roads it's listed because, because it's, it's ASX, ASX listed, mm-hmm. and we can see what um, it it goes at. Um, I think it's $86 million and Claire, from memory, the figures were about 15, 16 million litres of which a substantial part of that is their own brands. Yep, that's so far. So by the end of the year, Gage Road is planning on 18.8 million. Hmm. So that's a lot. Some of that is in their own venues yeah, and things yeah, like that. Some of it's contracts, some of it's yep. brand in hand, some of it's um, Gage or Matzo. So yeah, it's a big mix. And to my way of thinking, if you're looking at the value of a business, what people are willing to pay for it on a day-to-day basis. You know, Stone and Wood was a bit of a unicorn in the sense that it solved a problem for Lime um, for its all of its other tap contracts. So there was, you know, it's very hard to value these things. Gage Roads is a business that at day-to-day people are buying and selling shares at that value. Um, and you know, I, I asked Ben whether that was a f- you know, fair comparison. And he said, no, because it's not equity crowdfunding. I don't know what that means because surely the ASX is the biggest equity crowdfunding because it's, it's the crowd <laughs> but it's also and it's equity. But it's also stricter. I think it makes – I mean, I think that is the point um, and this is the point that we have made on it, – it's 
equity crowdfunding is a give a little. I mean, yes. if you look through the documents and again, uh, not Which on to everybody else that's not from New Zealand means GoFundMe. Oh, GoFundMe. <laughs> yeah, sorry, yeah. is that what it's called? I sorry. didn't know what sorry. that meant when you Go first f- said it. Oh, GoFundMe. <laughs> right. Modeling that donation team for it's a good a, yeah, it's, yeah, a, it's an yeah. online donation platform. A reward crowdfunding situation. Yeah, and so um, if you look at the prospectuses across all of the recent crowd funds, and so again, not this one, but all of the recent crowd funds, there are very clear articulation in there that you're that you're there is no secondary market as we've discussed mm-hmm. previously. So you can't on sell your shares, mm-hmm. um, and that the only way your shares will vest in anything um, may be dividends or if there is a sale and so on and so forth. So three or four different ways. So they're illiquid. So once you have put the money in, you can't get the money out. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's then a donation. And and if you aren't donating, you know, um, for a T-shirt and – 10% 10% off website orders or a T-shirt and a name on a wall, that's fine. Like, as we've been saying. The problem, yeah, the, the problem in this case is that, so we had that model yeah. where you could get money. Yeah. When all of the talk about equity equity crowdfunding, which means mm-hmm. you own a shake in the, stake in the business, was because to list on the stock exchange was vastly expensive. You know, there's yeah. all of this, and so it was a way of simplifying an equity investment in a business that was small. But, you know, to my way of thinking, that means that the business has to, you know, you're essentially taking an ASX listing and making it easier for small businesses to get that same sort of investment. But we've reached a situation where every business is going, well, this early, these earlier businesses were valued at this. I'm valuing myself at this because I'm biggest, you know, I'm, this is how I compare. Not one of the businesses has actually sold for anything. You know, we haven't seen it. We, there, there are dozens of breweries that are for sale. Oh, sorry, not dozens. There are multiple breweries that are for sale at the moment for fractions of the valuation that equity crowdfunders are asking for that aren't selling. Um, the, as I said up, up front, the businesses that have sold are vastly different. Um, you know, and when you when you look at a you know any brewery that has a significant portion of its income comes from its own bar, like a brew pub model, that may have some uh, things. Go and look at what you can buy a bar with two and a half million dollars, um, you know, revenue annual revenue. Um, it sells for a fraction of the revenue, not a multiple of the revenue. So you can you know jump online, buy. I want to buy a bar um, in Australia, and put in a you know look for something that's one point eight, two and a half, three, four million. It's going to sell for hundreds of thousands of dollars at most. Um, yeah, I, I've got – I want to go down a whole other rabbit hole on okay. this, um, which I'm not sure – so I don't know how to quite articulate this in a logical flow. But my actual concern with all of these crowd funds is twofold. One, um, the we are in an – we are coming to the end of an era of free money um, and I'll, cut, I'll loop back to that in a lot of senses um, in the sense that even from a – taking on debt perspective at a bank debt, you know, we were at very low interest rates or not. So we come from an era of free money where everybody has been building businesses on the back of debt. So this crowdfund is actually a way of not accessing debt and at a time when we're coming to, you know, the end of a period of free money, that seems like a good idea, don't take on debt. But the second thing is all of these 
crowd funds, recent ones, equity ones, talk about growth, growth of, the, growth of that business. Mm. And I just want to um, pull up two things. So if we look at the recent IBA, um, so the, the IBA have done their roadmap, um, their 10-year roadmap, they released that roadmap and in the IBA blueprint it says, despite Australian beer consumption currently at a 65-year low due to a general decline in alcohol consumption per capita and a growing trend towards health consciousness. Notwithstanding all of those things, independent brewing is increasing. It then talks about the proportion of people consuming beer in decline 2.8% in 2020. We are seeing an absolute rise in drink offerings, alcoholic and non-alcoholic, that are direct competitors to beer. Beer consumption is down, and yet all of these companies are talking about growth. Where is, is the growth, growth coming, coming from? Yeah. from? I'm going to throw another one in, in, which ties in a little bit to our um, you know, uh, next story, which is about catchment. Because hearing a lot of talk about new breweries that are in planning – scalable businesses that are backed by, you know, wealthy individuals who see a future in the, the, the model. Um, I know, because I've seen some, that the people that are, that, that in a lot of cases, people that are planning breweries are going out to, you know, potential investors who generally are outside of the industry, see a lot of media hype about craft beer, but then the investor decks are... Um, that the investor decks are talking about equity crowdfunding valuations um, as a you know basis for them raising. You know, if you want to raise two million dollars to start your brewery or three million dollars to start your brewery, so saying, look, this is going to be worth fifty-two million dollars. People are raising, you know, two and a half million dollars on a fifty-two million dollar valuation, and so at a time when there's already a lot of you know that there's no shortage of breweries entering the market, the market is declining. These valuations are encouraging more unsophisticated, sophisticated money. You know, they don't know the industry, they don't have an investment in the industry, but they think that you can start a business and grow it to, you know, bolter scale very, very quickly. And there are all of these other factors that we can talk about. I mean, there's the, you know, breweries are now making the pitch, well, we can start because there's $350,000 worth of excise-free money. The excise money. thing, exactly, so yeah. The, excise the first $350,000 is free. Uh, I mean, the, there were several breweries I've spoken to recently who said, well, we couldn't do this if we weren't getting the $350,000 because that's the capital we need for X, Y, and Z. So yep. that, that's seen as free money. There's an excellent article that we will post into the – um, Radio Brews News Group, but we've got this at a time, everybody's pitching growth, at a time when we're seeing 7% inflation, you know, predicted by the end of the year, increasing um, all of the cash rates. So debt is, if you are a brewery who borrowed to grow, you're going to have increasing debt. We've got um, minimum wage increased by 5.2%. We've got an extra 0.5% going into superannuation. So that's just human costs. We've got this excellent article out of NZ that really articulates where all the increased costs are coming from. Um, you've got um, malt growers saying that they're going to have to increase costs in 2023 and pass them on as a result of global <laughs> macroeconomic. We've got all of these things happening. So we've got macroeconomic pressures that are going to make it harder for existing breweries to continue to do work and have margins. And then on top of that, we've got people who want to enter the market because it looks flashy, we've got these valuations. Mm. 
but no one is taught where are we going to get these drinkers where are we going to get these margins mm. and so you just not on any individual business issue but when you look at this like we have the the advantage of doing sort of look zooming out and looking at the whole thing you go you know we're we're about to face a real period of challenge for many many breweries which incidentally if you're listening that's why you should be giving money to your favorite breweries and you know if you <laughs> like if you like bridge road and you want to see it succeed Get on it. Yeah, go, go exactly. Give, go give them money. Yeah. Go buy their beer as well yeah. for all of those reasons. My only concern is when these things are pitched as an investment and the number of people yeah. who are talking about it as an investment, the social media posts are as an investment. If you're looking at this as an investment, go and get some proper financial advice. Do not, you know, We're not giving you financial advice. We're not valuing the business. We're probably asking the questions that you should be asking yourself if you're making an investment it it certainly seems that the platforms um and we've seen this i mean if you look at the offer documents across a number of capital raises uh, equity crowd funds over the last two years the language content rollout are all very similar Mm -hmm. um and it's clear that the platforms are doing some serious coaching well they're telling you how to get the raise in terms well, of there that. are, to, in fairness, there are specific legal things that you have to do. Put that risk in with that right language. But in and terms all that of the marketing stuff. and the process, yeah. Well, you know. again, they but found a formula that works, yeah. and they exactly, repeat it. exactly. <laughs> so that's, but that's exactly right, Claire. Like it is a formula. Do you think it would work if there wasn't the equity component? Like that's the thing. If they did exactly the yeah, same thing, would that be? Do you? I'm yeah. not sure they'd probably. I mean, obviously, just conjecture, but I'm not sure they'd get quite as much. As they have, well, there is a psychological component about it because mm. being being an owner and things like that. But if but if just the owning is important, why the why the valuation? You know, why why do you need the valuation? Why not just sort of say, look, you know, well, you know, here's because the thing is that if you own, so if they if 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 we take the numbers in front of us, the Bridge Road example, if you're maxing out at a fifty point. $52.5 million valuation and all of the people who participate in this raise can only own to a maximum of, I think, Clay said 4. something. 4.76. 4.76%. Owning less than 1% of a business gives you no... Well, you've got no Well, no one's got any rights anyway. You've got no say. So, <laughs> there's no formal mechanism for this to have... You know, if you're a shareholder on the ASX... You've got an annual general meeting you can go to, you can voice your concerns, you can well, sell do, your shares. And I do love that a benefit of being an owner is you might be kept up to date. Maybe. The po- I, I honestly think if you called this a GoFundMe, is that what it's called here? Yeah, GoFundMe. Go, yeah. So if this was a GoFundMe and you got all of the things articulated in here, so you got your T-shirt, your name mm. up in lights, your 10% off, all of the things, and, and again, the same thing that everybody else has rolled out, and we know Black Ops did one last Last year, their mm. third successful raise mm. from their community, and they talked about the community. I would love to find out what valuation their private investors have in versus the equity crowdfunders, whether there's a difference. Yeah. So we might have to ask Dan about that. But so, you know, if all of those benefits were offered to people in precisely the same way, but you didn't get a less than 1% share that you can't sell, then, <laughs> like, I, I honestly think that if you – Put it on a fancy platform. You had glossy yep. documents that yep. looked the same and you just called it Donate Here. Well, I hope so. 
Again, I, I think it would. Well, like, okay, maybe not donate. I think donate has different, slightly different connotations. Yes, yeah, maybe so something like invest support in support. Invest. We don't want to use invest. Support. Support. Yeah. So support. Help us grow. Get out and support. Bridge Road, mm-hmm. jump on board. Or you know, any breweries that crowdfunding you yeah, yeah. love. That, that you love, do it, but not with money you... Want to get back. Yeah. Well, I mean... AKA... Yeah. Be responsible with your investing. In, in, yeah. Yeah. Like you are with your alcohol. Go seek some yeah. uh, you know, independent <laughs> advice. Um, and, and the other thing, the other takeaway, I think, is that, you know, this is for industry, this is industry. We need to be seriously talking about how hard it is. Mm-hmm. Like uh, – What, to crowdfund? Or no, 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 not to – How to hard exist. the industry in is going to oh, oh, be. Could, so could we park next? that for a whole separate discussion oh, yeah. um, as it, part of this blow the fold but not tight because there, there yeah. is so much that I is – I know, it's yeah. just so scary. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and to me that's where as an, as an industry as a whole, what can we do together? Unfortunately, it's not free money because these valuations are having a cost to the industry is my takeaway. Yep. So, Okay. Now, moving on, um, as I touched on, uh, Catchment Gains Fortitude announcing ambitious expansion. So, yes, interesting news um, from Brisbane that Catchment Brewing, which is a small West End brew pub, um, brewing about 80,000 litres a year, plus contract volume on top of that, has acquired, um, I, I, I guess, pioneering in a way, is pioneering, sort of early um, yeah, entrant in the southeast Queensland beer market, Fortitude, um, for an undisclosed sum. Interesting, increasingly seeing, I mean, this has been written about in some publications as, you know, like small brewery industry consolidation. Um, Fortitude had been on the sale, on the market for some time. And again, talking about brewery valuations, Fortitude, we we don't know what it sold for, but the figures that I'd heard that it was being offered for were um, not significant um it was a leasehold not insignificant oh well not significant no, certainly not you know equity crowdfunding dollars right um, you know, for, i think that's probably a good scale zero to equity crowdfunding dollar well you know like if you're looking at you know um you know businesses that are making like three hundred thousand liters um are selling you know on equity crowdfunding for 12 13 14 um, million dollars on the equity crowdfunding platforms I'd heard that the value of this was south of a million dollars yeah. um, for for the brand, the, the leasehold, the venue, and and all of those sorts of things. Um, so, and it's a well-established brand, founded ten years ago, um, had a bigger presence before now. Um, yeah, now it's, it's predominantly a brew pub, right? Like now, mo- its volume would be it, yeah, it through is. its own doors. They were one of the very early craft beer entrants in the mid-strength market. They had Pacer 2.8, which was you know very successful um, for them in the still range in Dan Murphy's and a ginger beer that yeah. was a successful range. Some of their other core ranges had gone by the wayside. So it's, I mean, it, it, look, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting one because catchment, um, as I said in my articles, a Beautiful venue, um, very different to most craft beer venues. The food was certainly different. You know, really, really high quality food. They got a, a name chef, um, and would do. And I, I used to take, um, you know, food journalists there to show them how good the food was. Um, and there were some very good write ups, and you know, it was highly regarded. But as a hospitality venue, it wasn't great. The service wasn't, you know, wasn't in keeping with the feel, and so there was that real incongruence between the level of service that was being offered versus the food and the the ambience of, of the place. And you know, they, they had a rotating 
roster of brewers. Um, they never really, really fired. Um, and to me, it was one of those businesses that was created by people from outside of the industry, sensing an opportunity in the brewing industry, but relied entirely on external, you know, they, they couldn't do the things themselves because they didn't have the hospitality background, they didn't have the brewing background, they didn't have. They were business people that had a business background. So, from a business move, this doesn't seem like a terrible one. I mean, we're going to be see, we're going to be seeing. Um, so, you know, just to reference the conversation we had before with how difficult it is going to be in the market, um, getting margins and having multiple brew pubs is oh, one yeah. of those opportunities that we've talked about i mean you're seeing you know the classic one we use is ballistic we know that more and more um businesses are looking to have multiple venues where they own the taps and the product goes over you know they they make the margins of um kegged product over their own bar so that from a business model perspective that makes sense well yeah i mean look it does like owning and and owning and just getting the margin and those sorts of things in terms of well this is where it's always very hard sitting in our seat um, because we aren't insiders. We don't know, you know, we can only take what we've seen, what we've heard from other businesses and apply it to fact situations that we see. So I preface it that way. Mm. This was a business that had been on sale, you know, so, so you've got a small little brew pub in West End that's been contract brewing for their excess capacity. They're saying that this purchase gives them the capacity that they didn't have. And yep. I've seen figures from... 500,000 litres that was given to me to 650,000 litres in, in, um, in, in, in other publications, which sounds like a lot of beer. Now, this is in a fairly regional, you know, it's Mount Tambourine, narrow roads. I've been told that the cost of shipping ingredients there, it's as expensive to ship to, to courier ingredients from Brisbane to there, it is from Brisbane to Sydney. Oh, so it's like a brouhaha situation. It's it, yeah, we, yeah. So yeah. we wrote that article where they, they you know, they're a little bit landlocked. Yeah. Um, so or it's it, difficult to get there. So you know, it makes more yeah. sense to. So it's expensive to get your ingredients up. Expensive to get your beer down. So if you're selling it on site, yeah, that's that's okay. But yep. they're enunciating a plan. They're enunciating um, a strategy that this is going to be their production venue, so they can bring their volume in house, which. If you if your volume is expensive and it's expensive to then get to market, it's hard. It, it's an old brew house. It was the original Blue Tongue brew house. It would mean nothing to to, to you. You probably weren't even born when. Uh, sorry, you know. Was, it, Do you think that's because there were? So if I play, if I flip it around, is that because there were no other breweries? And by that I mean the brew kit itself. Um, of the same size in the Brisbane area that Catchment could have acquired to acquire its at least capacity. One other, I know right. of at least one other brew pub in Brisbane that is for sale right. um, that has extensive capacity. Right. Um, and But, yeah, so – and I first heard of the, the this sale and it yeah, was, was, it was confirmed. No, it was August last year. So this right. has been going since late last year. So it's right. been a long process for the sale. Presumably they've done due diligence. Presumably they've had people looking at it, but it's a very old brew house. I know brewers who had considered, or were considering it for sale, saying that you know it, it's an expensive location. It's an old brew house that needs a lot of refurbishment. It doesn't really meet their needs. Now, again, this is where I don't know what catchment has considered, what they haven't, um, and what their needs are. But it's you know the the idea that we should just automatically go, hey, isn't this fantastic? When there is a counter view. Well, I think I mean I think you go it's all about if if the ex if the plan is to have 
multiple brew pubs. Mm. We know, and even um, just to, you know, little plug to your um, interview that came out this week on Beer as a Conversation with Miles Hull, which was really interesting about, and he makes the case for um, hospitality-led brew pubs being a, a model that remains available in this mm. tight marketplace. So if that is... 24 hectolitres is a big brew pub. So, so okay. like you know, this is this is the challenge. Like, what are you talking about? Because they're saying that they bought this for volume, um, for for volume for all of their venues. Now, if you're brewing on site for your local venue, and you don't have to, then yeah. So that's beer. what I mean. But the and the, the flip side is that it, with a five hundred thousand liter brew house, this my understanding is if it's still the case, this brewery is tank water only. So there's mm. you know. You know, assuming five five liters of water per liter of beer produced, there's two and a half million liters of water that needs to be sourced from water tanks, which is one of the production issues. That should surely be impossible. I that's I have I would need to see some tanks that are that big. <laughs> yeah, well, have they been or, making beer this th- whole time this at those where, volumes? This is but. Well, no, because like it, got... it, it's never like they can say whatever production figure yeah. they want. Mm. It's been a long time since those sorts of volumes um, have ever, or if, if ever, like if, been if that, site that has premises. been made out of it. Yeah, as far mm-hmm. as I know, that's yeah. a lot of beer. So a lot of water. you know, you, you can quite, and, and this is fundamentally the problem with you know media releases and things like that. And you know, catch me a little bit unhappy. I understand with you know. I, I thought that my coverage was pretty fair. It was, you know, sort of talking factual. about... Didn't factual, but, you know, that it wasn't supportive enough, as if, you know, because it's a small craft brewery, we have to gush and say, isn't this awesome? Isn't this awesome? You know, but they also announced that their plan is to do an equity... Oh, not an equity craft fund, uh, like <laughs> an, a, IPO. A, an IPO or, or a <laughs> stock market listing. Uh... And this is, and, and, and unfortunately, this is the problem that we're seeing over and over and over again in the industry is that... And, and this is where... Um, in, in, when we were discussing before, it's a hard industry. It's facing a lot of challenges. Mm-hmm. Brewing is expensive. Um, that, you know, if, if you are a small brewery in this industry it is a lot of hard work there is still this idea in the industry that there existed 20 years ago when all of these breweries were starting that we have to just say isn't it fantastic you know isn't everything awesome and to to my way of thinking that's just encouraging more and more people in you know what i call lifestyle businesses where they think that you can just come in because it's a fun interesting you know exciting business and you're going to make money and that's just not the case. Like it's it it, it you know it, it's the woo steady up. These are the realities of, of the industry. Um, it can be a lifestyle business if you if you want to go from the brew tank to serving the beer. Yeah, to if you want to go tables. in eyes wide open, you know, and and again to the Miles Hulk conversation, you know, when you're planning your brew pub, your hospitality business needs to be delivering you profit that you can put back into the brewery side. So, you know, there are models mm. out there that will work. Yep. Um, but you've got to – but it it is so much more business today than it was even 10 or 15 years ago. And what I mean by that is, you know – you could be three mates in a garage that started a brewery and because of the trajectory 
there were these opportunities for luck. I'm not suggesting you didn't have to graft, but it is a very different market yep. today. And but but we're seeing a lot of businesses, you know, like this where, you know, it's a significant it, it, look. It's a significant purchase for a you know eighty thousand litre brewery to buy another you know brewery, and, and I don't take anything away from it. And good luck to them. That you know they may have a strategy, but if they do, it's a strategy that on one hand. A lot of other breweries are pursuing at the same time. You know whether it's Brewdog that was lured here, lured here by the state government to open a you know, swag of with much better um, brewing equipment that's much closer to main distribution channels um, that they're competing against with you know hugely resourced, or it's Ballistic um, that you know already has a network of, of brew pubs. They can get the scale from there again. Pretty well located um, brewery. So this is a strategy that seemingly is attractive because a lot of people are doing it but when you look at some of the other elements of 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 this purchase that there are questions and there there are probably reasons that it was on the market for a long time when other people looked at it so they may have they may have considered all of these things they may have a you know a better way of doing it than because we we don't know and accounted for that in the purchase price and accounted for in the purchase price we we don't know any of that um but at the same time, and the one other question, the other one other thing I'll throw in is, you know, this strategy is also very very similar to brew that we've discussed on the podcast, um, you know, ad nauseum, where it's buy a you know regional brewer, bring your contract production in house, open a string of other venues and sell it, and we know how that went and it didn't work, and you know the the, the person who signed off on the media release for this. Um, one was a director and whenever of brew of brew um and whenever you ask questions he says well that wasn't me you know that was kent and we know it was kent but you're going well it's on your cv you know you're you're, on one hand you're holding it up as being a part of your experience but you don't want to talk about that experience and you know this business didn't do terribly well using the same strategy i think it's legitimate to ask you know if you're if you want us to celebrate this acquisition which clearly they do what's different you know what are you doing differently this time or you know if, if you if you had nothing to do with the the other business why is it on your cv <laughs> you know like it, 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 it's one of those things it's, it, it's it's one of those things that we see over and over and over again on one hand want us to say look i've worked for all of these businesses but then we just say well how does that apply to this one? Oh, that's not relevant to and what's really interesting about that is it's not to say every business venture will be successful no no you can actually have major failings in business ventures but what you can do is come out the other side and be like that was a major problem the cogger we, we, we've I talked was just about, about yeah. to say here is why that failed all of these times i think the challenge of course with brew is that it hasn't died the death that has been suggested many a time well, it's lost 20 million dollars which is no, no, but it still exists as <laughs> a going far, far yeah. more than that it and it still exists as a going concern with new directors who want to revive it well it's so. currently delisted from it's currently not trading on the stock market mildura brew house has entered liquidation yeah um you know so like it <laughs> it did have a market cap of 140 million, million dollars at one stage yeah and now it's <laughs> What eight? <laughs> yeah. Which incidentally is, is is one of the problems when you don't discuss valuations. Mm. You get you know valuations like that, and also you know. But that was public, right? Because they were listed, mm. so you could track that mm. in a yep. transparent way, and the market dealt with the issues by. But is it our job as an industry publication that speaks to a lot of businesses and analyzes and you know watches the industry very closely and understands some of the 
you know, mechanics and some of the economics of the industry, that when we get a media release that we just go, isn't this awesome? And, you know... No, but I don't think anybody expects... I mean, I think... <laughs> the, the businesses do. No, I think... I mean, I don't know why we're talking about what our business is here, but I guess I would make... I, I guess I'm sensitive to the criticism. Like, I, I thought yeah. it was a fairly reasonable um, article. Yeah, yeah, agreed, yeah. And I think being sensitive to criticism is fine. I guess I would just sort of say, um, you know, there are PR firms for a reason yeah. and that's not what Bruce News does. No, that's the thing. But you know, I, I think there is too much still, 20 years down the track, there is too much in the industry that it's still a little bit of a kindergarten where it thinks that it only needs support and encouragement and love like the child that never grew up. On the other hand, I do sit here and I watch all of this stuff that, you know, we have the, we have the advantage of taking the time to watch all of these things, you know, and go, I feel like there's a hard time coming up for industry. Mm. And so part of me goes, I actually want to be the person that's giving everybody a cuddle and being like, it's going to be okay. Because the people that are grafting in our industry, like it is, it is one of the most collegiate spaces that you see, but it is going to be so competitive over the next Mm. little while that the fact that people hold on to this sharing and openness as amongst themselves, even between brewers is just so amazing given the competitive nature and how hard it's going to get. And so you don't want to see those positive aspects of the industry change as a result of how hard it is is and will be, you know. But I don't – and I don't think those are mutually exclusive. I don't – because I guess I look at it from the point of view that the more we sort of say how fantastic and easy and successful the industry is, the more – competition we're going to bring in and a lot of that you know as you identified at the the top of the show the market is declining choices are increasing Mm -hmm. breweries are are expanding and increasing the volume has to come from somewhere and the more for want of a better term um, and, and this is talking about you know there are still so many brewers in breweries in planning the more ill informed under-resourced, badly thought-out businesses that enter the industry that, you know, successful or not, they're going to take a portion of the existing volume. Unless they're bringing more in, they're going to be taking volume from breweries that may otherwise be viable, but for the loss of that, you know, that that, that percentage. And if you have 30 new breweries enter the industry nationally, um, say they only all do 100,000 litres each, they're still, what, three million litres that's coming from somewhere. Either they're bringing new people in, maybe they are, I don't know, or they're taking three million litres from other breweries. Mm. And if that brewery is an established, successful brewery, that, you know, the percentage that they're losing is their profit margin, then, you know... Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is the big... That is the, the very big thing. The volume is not growing. And, and, so and, and the unquestioning celebration of the viability of the industry encourages that is my is, is my concern and I could be wrong yeah and I think you know we've talked about it for a long time I was speaking to somebody at Wobba who was who had said they had been in discussions with people from outside industry who all had decided that they were going to open a breweries three breweries 
um, three separate new breweries and brands making over 2 million litres a year, assuming that they're going to be able to come in and be nationally ranged Mm. from the get-go and do so on and so forth. And so this is your point around people from outside who have not got the lived experience do still think that there's a very viable path to a very in a very competitive market and um you know it, it it's just it's hard graft and based on you know we'll post that article from New Zealand but if you just look at some of the they were talking about the actual cost based on the cost increases in New Zealand um of excise alone is 71 cents a pint 83 cents a keg and that doesn't account for the increased inflationary or other increased costs of all other ingredients so if you put an extra hundred dollars on a keg the cost Mm. no profit margin what that means for consumers and industry and viability is massive Mm. so it's not all doom and gloom Oh, no, but, but it's not. But at the same time, unless you fairly discuss the industry and reasonably discuss the industry, warts and all, it, it doesn't help the industry. It, it, if, oddly enough, like the argument is you need to support the industry to help the industry. But I actually think that that is counterproductive. The strength of, for example, a democracy is based on the strength and uh, criticism placed upon it by the Fourth Estate, a.k.a. journalism. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> what I'm saying is... The more you have a free press that's available to critique and to hold to account businesses, the stronger you will be philosophically yes. as well as yeah. hopefully financially. Yeah. <laughs> you, you wouldn't be a lecturer in journalism by any chance, Maybe would I you, would. Ms. Burnett? <laughs> so when, 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 when you're not reporting on beer. Um, and, and, yeah, and, and that's the thing. So, I mean, that's why these stories do matter. It's not to have a go at anybody, but... When, when you get an announcement like this and you don't look at the actual economics of it, then everyone goes, wow, what a, you know, I'm going to do that as well. And it's, it's, it, it, it's not that easy. Anyone that owns a brewery at the moment is, you know, doing it really tough because it's not that easy. And it stressed me out when he said he was going to IPO. I was like, really? You want to do that? <laughs> like, is that what the plan is? Well, but again, yeah. Do we need another brewery? <laughs> not saying that they will be, but yeah, that's a really, that's a, difficult path to walk really difficult and not one that i'd imagine which is why people have been like let's come full circle the ipo route is expensive onerous incredibly Mm -hmm. difficult Mm -hmm. um requires a lot from you which is why people are debt leveraged because um you know you've been sitting at very low interest rates which is close to free money or mm. equity crowdfunded because a it builds community so that's the positive side and b it's genuinely free money mm-hmm. um no interest rates um other than your yep. fees which yes, i did know were quite yep. substantial they're through rather to, large actually. To, through <laughs> to the platform that you crowdfund on so yep. there's obviously the that cost is also equity crowdfunding based on its current you know it, it, right. it, well, i had just recently had an equity crowdfunding itself so, so, yeah. Anyway, yeah. so, so th- there is a cost to getting the free money because you're paying someone um, to use their platform. But, but the net result of, um, you know, all of those things is, is, is money makes the world go around and people need it to grow their businesses and people are wanting to grow to hit those premium places of um, economies of scale and actually as an industry, we're not bringing more drinkers to beer. Uh, no, with the brew pub model, you know, that's what I've said, look, you know, a brew pub model is that small little sustainable thing where, you know, 
you, you might work. And I'd, I'd compare it to, you know, the old newsagent where, you know, if you're retired, you take your retirement savings, you buy a news agency for $200,000 that returns you, you know, that sort of, you know, maybe uh, probably a little bit less. You know, so it's three times profit. So you make $80,000 a year that you take home um, for yourself and you buy that, you're essentially buying yourself an income for those couple of years. Anytime that you're not working selling papers and lottery tickets, you have to pay somebody else, which comes out of your pocket, essentially. Now, if you own three news agencies, you know, you get the scale of that where you can either, you know, work less and take $30,000 from each of them rather than, you know, $90,000 from one. And, you know, but you've you've got, you know, all of the benefits that come with that scale, which is what the the brew pubs did. But that doesn't, you know... Well, Tall Timbers have just gotten you know, additional funds yep. and they're a brew pub. And that, I mean, that cost them in time resource because they had to go through the whole application process yep. and everything. But at the end of the day, they've got this grant, they've got the support of government. They're kind of flying the flag for the brewing industry as well mm. um, by doing that application and earning that grant. And the fact that so many brewers have got it in WA says a lot about that kind of support. Uh, but yeah, the... the there's a, there are other ways of doing it. There are other ways of getting that kind of funding if you wish. And, you know, they've done that to be a sustainable um, brew pub, although, no, that includes a canning line. And then, you know, you've got – you just did your discussion with Grace Fowler who yes. was, again, talking about setting up a brew pub in a regional centre and why they had selected that centre. Yep. Um, yeah, because there's nothing in Bathurst. So she was like, but again, this is a great idea. I was, I, my first thought, she said, we selected the venue because there was an old brewery that didn't work out. And my first thought was, well, why didn't it work out and what makes what you're going to do mm. different? Um, and that all the local businesses wanted to support it. I was like, great, brew pub, her her partner, uh, her husband and mm-hmm. another business partner. And I was like, okay, you need to feed three mouths. Yep. Maybe that's it. So, but it is those regional brew pubs is, um, you know, that's where it's at. Could and be the way forward. You know, like a big part of growing your business is marketing, you know, and, you know, if... I see what you're doing here, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> so if you can't get a government grant, but yeah. you want to sell more beer, for example, which is ultimately what breweries are doing, you know, there are hundreds of beers on offer these days and it is branding and product um, recognition that is now putting pressure on the marketing. How do you promote, say you've won an AOBA gold medal, how do you promote award-winning beers in an easy-to-recognise manner at the bar at the eye line of your patrons? Colourful decals, highlighting your brand and your product is a really great way. Now, if you wanted to highlight your brand on a decal... Mm. Or a decal. <gasps> what would you do, guys? You might be surprised at this. <laughs> would we be surprised? I would be calling Rally Label Stickers and Packaging because hey. they do a weekly decal order run of the standard decal shapes in three millimetre white PVC foam board. You can get your order and artwork in by midday on Tuesday and get your decals back on Thursday or decals. I think it's decals. I use You always told me decal. decal. And, and I then, use decal. Yeah, and then I, because I used to say decal and you said, no, that's not right. Claire. If you have a view, <laughs> tell us decal or decal. But either way, get your whatever they're called from Rallings Label Stickers and Packaging because you can get them, order them by midday choosing and get your decals back Thursday in Brisbane or Friday, Monday if you're in regional or interstate areas. They can also do a variety of decal shapes in ACM and resin. 
I'm not quite sure what ACM is, but I'm sure somebody will let us know. However, custom orders usually take a little bit longer to produce. Remember, they also specialise in can and carton labels, shrink sleeves, we've talked a lot about them, um, to cans and ready to fill along with a variety of other applications. If you want to find out more about how they pronounce decal or decal, you can call the team on 1300 852 235 or email sales at rallingsprint.com.au. In fairness, we probably should have asked them. They're precisely the people we should ask. Is it decal or is it decal? Well, we should. Well, they listen. They're going to tell us. Don't worry. Yeah. Come on, Brad. Let me know. Expect a phone call. (laughs) Expect a phone call. So, okay. Um, Now, we've done Tall Timbers Grant. We've got so much to cover. Drinkwise launches State of Origin campaign. Mm. Interesting one. Again, now. (laughs) Well, we. I put it up and then we were talking about it in the office, weren't we? Mm. About. Because on one hand, awesome. Yeah, exactly. Great and that was my first thought as well. I was like, oh, that's an interesting one, yeah. But then you kind of explained a little bit about the background. Well, look, <laughs> and I was like, look, oh. Again, uh, I'm at the age where I grew up, you know, watching State of Origin and you would read the newspaper, mainstream newspaper stories about, you know, the first night in camp stories where, you know, you bring your disparate group of players together from all around, you know, the rugby league playing um, world and you have your team bonding session that basically involved getting shit-faced together. Um, and, you know, we've seen a lot of stories come out about bad behaviour and, you know, photographs and things like that to the point that I actually started hearing stories that the major brewing sponsors would host private events for them to shield them from you know, having to go to nightclubs and things like that. And, you know, you go, well, on one hand... You're running a Drinkwise campaign, and Drinkwise, as the anti-alcohol um, lobby like to point out, is sponsored by the industry, and it does a lot of good. But then, you know, is it enough to just run a glossy campaign on one hand, but then turn a blind eye to, or or potentially actively encourage a misuse of alcohol on another? So, um Full disclosure, I'm a bit of a leaguey. I um, <laughs> I haven't watched recently for the last couple of seasons because I have a toddler. Um, but, you know, I served on boards um, for rugby league in New Zealand. Um, and so I love me a bit of league. Um, and I would say that, you know, the NRL has over the years been making active efforts to um, improve – the behaviour and expectations of the behaviour of these key figures. And I think a lot of work has been done in terms of um, setting new standards, uh, certainly penalising and fining players and clubs that do not um, that do not uphold the standards. And, you know, this is similar to my... Um, my argument about why uh, 4x0 is a good idea because if Keith in Blackall um, drinks, you know, moderates his drinking because 4x has offered it to him Mm. um, and that same message couldn't have got through to Keith from Blackall in in any other way, then it's a good thing that the NRL and Rugby League are pushing these kinds of messages. You know, we saw the NRL on the f- on the front of, um, you know, the marriage equality conversation when mm-hmm. that was taking place. We have seen huge improvement um, over the last few years in terms of acknowledgement um, and support and promotion of um, 
you know, Indigenous. And the reason I, I add all of these campaigns is, you know, they might start as a campaign or they may be part of something internal that's going on, but they haven't been set and forget. These have been ongoing portions of what's been happening. I'm not suggesting it's perfect, but no single entity can, you know, get well, no, but 700 you, people to but, be... But, but the NRL can have a zero tolerance for... You know, yeah. Look, I gave a very um, deliberate example. You know, it used to be get in to camp, get drunk yeah. with your mates it, as it, as a team bonding thing. It did used to be, and, and and I don't know what it is, but you still, you know, again, um, you know, the the morning after the grand final when you sort of see the Mad Monday, the, the Mad Monday, and then they you know they they talk about that Mad Monday is all about excessive drinking, and if that's you know um, condoned um, and celebrated culturally by the clubs and the teams, then that is that sends a much more powerful message than the one-off campaign that everyone goes. Well, they've got it. You know, the I'm not sure mm. that it is condoned though. But I think that um, you know, you you are in many cases dealing with groups of young men that are, um, in some cases you know, away from their homes. Like there are whole reasons why you can't control the behaviour of all of those individuals that then let off steam, whether you condone it or not. Yeah, because that sounds like it's feeding a little into the boys will be boys thing. And no, I'm, I'm, <laughs> not saying not that, that. <laughs> I'm not saying that's okay, but I am saying that... But people in that organisation okay. are like I'll, I'll give you an example. <laughs> yeah. Um if you work for either of the major breweries, and I think probably more than just the major breweries, if you're a sales rep, if you're a marketing person, if you're yep. a brewer, you blow 0.06 on your way home from a beer tasting, yeah, you're, you're fired the next day. Yeah, I agree. Now, if you're, a, if you're a Queensland police or if you're a you know, police officer or a politician who sets and enforces, you know, who, who makes the laws and enforces the laws and do the same thing, you just get the court sanction. Yep. It's because brewers... The, the, the brewery businesses appreciate the importance of the signal that they send about their tolerance for, for alcohol. So whilst I really celebrate this campaign, I'm not entirely convinced that the same zero tolerance for alcohol-fueled bad behaviour exists to legitimise that campaign because the... You know, when, when, you, when you see the celebration of Mad Monday, when you sort of see that, you know, those sorts of things... So that, maybe that is this is drinking. It's unhealthy drinking. But maybe it's the start of a campaign towards um, its community as much as it is to a public one. Got to start it, somewhere. Mm. Maybe it is. Yep. But what True. rules are in place? You know, again, what what even what code of conduct is in place about the use of alcohol um, and the encouragement of the use of alcohol and the use of alcohol in you know formal team functions that a lot of industry um, groups do have. Like if you work for a mining company, I do a lot of um, beer tastings because it's regarded as a safety risk. On the mines, if I do a tasting in the city, the same rules apply. Um, they can't be drinking beer on site. You know, they they actually come and do a occupational health and safety review of the venue, including making sure that there is no encouragement to excessive alcohol tasting, things like that, because you can't have inconsistent rules. Other industries are embracing it. Um, you know, and and let's uh, hope it's the start of good things for the NRL and all this. Let, well, well, let, let <laughs> Maybe they'll drink so. some more zero alcohol because the Deva <laughs> reckons that's going up. Although, remember we when Ash impressive. Barty had a beer? One oh beer. Oh my god! And everyone freaked out. Right. Well, 
But it's not that interesting the difference in between sports and between genders, obviously. Standard. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, but yeah, you, you talk about because we've had a couple of people. We've yes. had some media releases about. Um, now you alcohol. received a media release. Yes, Endeavor um, Group. In twenty-four months, with with all of the with <laughs> all of the um, coverage. Yep. It's grown by. 150%? 150% from nothing. <laughs> yeah, <I don't> <laughs> What's 150% of nothing? <laughs> what, well, what's, yeah, from, from a low base. 150% yeah, yeah, yeah. from a low base. low base. And you're going with, with all of the hype, the media coverage, you know, oh God, we've talked about it. I mean, I would mm-hmm. suggest that that's not even universal trial numbers. This, or was, certainly this was interesting, though. So based on those numbers, um, Shane just spritzer posted in the Facebook group that Sands Drinks was on Sunrise this morning and claimed oh, yes. that... Thir- It'll that be 30% of the market 30%. by 2024. No, no. not now. No. That just okay. got pulled out of somewhere well, where there's no, a Well, no, again, <laughs> and go listen to Irene, my, my chat with Irene mm, Falcone. That's a really um, good one. Really, really good chat. But again, like it comes from, and this isn't criticism, this is ob- observation, it comes from a position of self-interest. She has an ambitious plan to go from her one shop in Sydney to I think it was 20 shops nationally, and I think she's doing a funding drive. So, you know, again, <laughs> this is one of the, th- th- this is just a classic technique that we see in the brewing industry. If you want to raise money, you talk about the future prospects of the industry. Yep. Um, and who's, but who's going to challenge her? Well, <laughs> Endeavour Drinks is going to challenge her because, <laughs> you know, like a 30% of the total alcohol the market. Total, wow. That what, is what, percentage, a, what percentage does it, it has to grow by a lot more than 150%. I just want to get the thousands of percent. <laughs> yeah, 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 like <laughs> it's, it's, exactly. 30% of the market is, you know, it's, got, it's a lot more than 150%. Uh-huh. And 150% isn't very much. I think we're agreed on. So, yes. And instantly, if you're seeing a lot of no one, it's because we're about to enter dry July. And we are getting bombarded with media releases. Uh, and that one, did you talk about the one the, we got the other week that was like, if you want to do Dry July, drink coffee. Uh, <laughs> that yeah. was their so, alternative. So coffee is being pitched. <laughs> if, if you're, if, if if you don't get to have your um, what, 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 uh, espresso martini yeah, during Dry it. July, drink a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> what? Wow. That's yeah, but that's. I mean. Look, at least they're being a bit creative, like drink something else. <laughs> to your point, we're just getting like, here's a non-out option. Well, yeah. cool. Like, but again, but yeah. So I'm just waiting for caffeine-free October. Just <laughs> you wait till we get our, our um, cannabis. You know, we get our... We're going to get cannabis oh, infused. <laughs> cannabis That's inf- cannabis anyway. infused comes next. So, yeah. So, <laughs> look, I, I again, I, I've been bully- I, no, been bearish about um, alcohol-free. Um None of the figures, sales figures I'm hearing from Endeavour um, are changing my mind. And so yeah. if you were going to make an alcohol-free beer, Matt, mm. and quality was important to you. Well, the quality is always important to me. <laughs> um, you, know, you know who else it's important to? Dixon Asia Pacific. <laughs> because they understand the importance of beer quality <laughs> and just how important a brewing system is in terms of being efficient and reliable. This is where Dixon comes in. They supply all of the technical flow products you need to brew a good beer from the hose and hose assemblies to valves, accessories, fittings and more. Need more advice, technical support or training? You can contact Dixon as they have the product specialist that can help you with this and more. There's a link in the show notes or you can find them in the Brews News business directory and there is a link to that in the show notes. So just look down at your phone or wherever, not if you're driving, please. Yeah, be safe. Because $1,000 is too much. But Dixon Asia Pacific, uh, they know hoses and fittings and... (laughs) Clips. Oh, that stuff's important. And, and actually, they know us. They actually, they're big fans of us. 
Oh, I might that's have to lovely. say. No, really, yeah. No, oh, really, so, and I really appreciate. We in the mailbag. We also got a um, example of um, the question was: Did farm design design for better beer? Now, who's farm design? I haven't had a chance to look into this because better booch. I just thought they were a dis- like quite literally a drinks. Um, but when I looked at it, so better booch, which looks like better beer, yeah. But also Nick Cogger, who founded Better Beer, had K Booch. Yes, um, that's beforehand. what I was thinking. So I'm going, like, I was like, is that oh wow, is, is this like has Nick taken his kombucha and made it Better Booch as part of the? But when no, I looked into it's a separate it, brand. It's it's, it's American yeah. business. Yeah, it's an yeah. American. So it's got com- nothing to do with it. So but it's an American like kombucha business. Yeah, almost as if Bolter and Better Beer. Had a baby. Had a design baby. <laughs> had a design baby. <laughs> yeah. With ideas courtesy of uh, Nick Cogger. But the, but the lettering is <laughs> yeah, the same. Like, yeah. almost the same identical. Font. And then I was, you know, the one that got us this week um, in the office was, you know, just that um, it's the non-alc beer brand that looks exactly like the smile from... Bolter. Um, Bolter. Oh, oh well, I mean, but that's yeah. smart. Like, yeah, again, I, like, I, yeah. It, it's it's one so of those, simple that it's... But it also looks yeah. a little bit like the McDonald's... In, in the old, in, in, like I don't know. Oh, yeah, they used to have that. I yeah, don't know. I, my thing was you're not allowed to a- advertise non-ALK products and they've got an exclusive non-ALK product. If you line that up next to a Bolter range of beer, you could easily mistake that non-ALK product for a beer yep. or that beer for a non-ALK product the other way around. Mm. And so that was where my head was at. I was like, mm-hmm. this is why you're seeing brands be really careful with what they're, what they're starting to market and advertise for all the reasons we've discussed. Mm-hmm. And this is non-ALK only versus a brand that is clearly ALK. And I was just like, smiles? I don't know. I just, Ooh. yep. I and interestingly enough, if that went up before ABAC, they couldn't do anything because it's not technically a brand extension of Bolter. <laughs> That's right. Somebody else's company That's right, but has copied it, them. <laughs> or not copied them, obviously. We don't know that, but no, it's no, similar. Yeah. Um, ended up with something very, them. S- yes. <laughs> very similar <laughs> so by mistake. Much. <laughs> um, so I've like a um, couple of shout outs in other news from me. Um, mm-hmm. The first is um, if anybody hasn't listened to um, the HPA um, podcast from... I thought that was great. Yeah, that's, yeah. In, that's just been um, dropped in Brewery Pro on Monday. There's a really great line right at the start that makes it so salient. And I know that there's been a bunch of articles and we've got a panel... Um, another panel discussion that will be coming out um, on Brew Pro in a couple of weeks in the next couple of weeks, but you know it starts off and it says um, if there are not significant changes being made um, to, uh, to combat climate change in the next few years, we may see that um, raw products in Australia are yep. no longer available, resulting in major changes to core ranges for yep. breweries. And you yep. go, that hits the nail on the head around yep. why we should care as an industry. Mm. Um, and then it goes into a whole range of discussions, but mm. it was really good. And it was fantastic to see what HPA themselves are doing. They're not just pr- promoting it and talking about like breweries becoming this carbon neutral. This isn't an ad, by the way. This yeah, is, no, yeah, this no, no, isn't. No, no, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> by the way, <laughs> well, we are glowing the, about the, it. But, but, but they uh, are so yeah. seamless and HPA yeah. are a good Parties of it, yeah. but this is legitimate editorial comment. I mm-hmm. just need to. Yeah, this is editorial comment yeah. on something that we have promised to publish, mm-hmm. but that we hadn't seen or heard beforehand. Yep. And I went back and, and listened got no to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and and thought it was really really interesting. Um, and then the second thing is we've just um, started, thanks to Bintani, putting all of our um, of the Wobba ah. panels that were recorded. And the first one, the first two, the one about an ale trail, and then the one about crafting a, an ale trail. Yeah, crafting an ale trail. And this all sounds funny for me, given I hosted 
the panels, but I learned buckets. Like again, as, <laughs> as a host, when, when you when you sit there asking questions and you feel that you are learning, in a session that you're hosting. <laughs> it's kind of like it, it, it's the best sort of content. So yeah, like really um, couldn't get Miles on the panel. So the beers conversation this week was sort of like allied to that. Miles is on yeah, the on the brew pub. Yep. But the marketing to millennials, you know that that whole discussion around that's social to come. media. That's not that's posted to come. yet. Yep. Um, Ale Trails, um, world class brew pub, the hospitality world side, which we're pub. very very yeah. Uh, so that yeah, one's just that been really, published, but those are really. I mean, I was on the Ale Trail one, so it sounds a bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, they're really. I this isn't the house ad, it's just, yeah. <laughs> no, but this is one. Um, a, Bintani have made it possible for us to get those discussions out um, more broadly. But B, actually, the content is really useful when we're starting to think about what are the competitive edges that need to be in there for your business to survive and thrive in this really competitive marketplace. These are the types of topics that. Um, other people are now giving you the information so you can go away and do something with it so you don't have to source it out. So that's and if it why it matters. a little bit like, I, I know, it, th- th- this is the hard line that we've, you know, Bintani gave us the resources to be there, which clearly is a business we need. But the content was content that we chose in partnership with the Western Australian Brewers Association to create valuable panels. And so it's not sponsored content. Like the, the, the content isn't sponsored of well, these panels, and not and and the panelists were free to say whatever they yeah. wanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right? There's no, th- there was no th- th- I just want to make that because it's, yeah. th- 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 these days the line between editorial and um, advertorial is so blurred. We're thanking Bintani for getting us there, but they had absolutely no, which, which is why it's such good partners. Yeah, they're broadcast partners. So anyway, yeah. yeah, so yeah. that's cool. Um, but but all of that content is out there in the Brewery Pro channel if you are not already subscribed. Okay. Look, I, I think we're sort of well up, you know, right into time. Um, that wraps up another week of news. Your hosts have been myself, Matt Kirkegaard, Sabrina Kunz and Claire Burnett. Hello. Oh, no, so I automatically <laughs> want to say award-winning oh, senior journalist, so Claire Burnett. But it, we did that. Sabrina Kunz and Claire Burnett. The show is produced by Vivian Topalovich, who's down with COVID. Unfortunately, yes. get well, oh, uh, Vivian. Yeah. And edited by Joe Helder, who is uh, in good health, fortunately. Um, we, <laughs> thank you for the health update. We, we thank Yakima Chief Hops, Rallings Label Stickers and Packaging, Dixon Asia Pacific, New Zealand Ale Trail, and Thirsty Merchants for their support in making this episode possible. Thank you to you for listening. You can share your thoughts on the show by emailing producer at bruisenews.com.au or leaving a review on your favourite podcasting service. And please do that. We haven't had a review for a while. So if you are listening um, and you haven't Maybe yet, not after this episode. Maybe just give it a couple more. Oh, no, give us a bad <laughs> And with that, we're out. Boom. <laughs>